everyone. Welcome to Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm just wondering, are you fully caffeinated? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and we are going to talk about to caffeinate or not. Because we all know that, you know, for me anyway, it's hard to imagine me going a full day without caffeine. I've had to do it before. It actually gives me quite a tremendous headache because there might be maybe that I'm a little bit, you know, it's a habit and it's a little bit of an addiction for me. But some of us can't imagine a day without a cup or two of coffee. We might use it to wake us up or we might use it as a boost before we go in and do a big heavy workout. But when it comes down to it, I think there's still a lot of confusion about caffeine and how much is too much and some of the other questions that we all want to know. So today I brought a very interesting guest. His name is John Salick and he is an award-winning journalist. He's also host of a podcast called What the Health? And so John is a journalist by trade. He has done a lifetime of research and articles that bring us information that help make our lives better. So I'm going to bring John in and let him introduce himself. How you doing, John? I'm fine. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I think that was too glowing an introduction, but it was. there's some accuracy there. Yeah, my background is definitely journalism. Um, we started uh, What the Health, uh, really off our other company, which is Well Well USA, which is a site that deals with um, health and wellness information. And it's all done by reporters. These are not blogs. This is not somebody's opinion. We cover a range of topics, including caffeine and including coffee. And uh, is it good for you or not? And you're right. It is. There's a lot of confusion because it's not a simple answer and it's not a clear answer. And it really depends on circumstances. Right. Well, and I think that I've read a lot of your stuff on, you know, a lot of the stuff that you've written and I like your podcast. And so let's kind of deep dive into this whole caffeine thing. And just so that we make it clear to everyone, we're not just talking about coffee. I know that when I think of caffeine, I think of coffee because I'm not an energy drink person. Um, but I have discovered recently those Celsius drinks, those are pretty tasty, but, uh, I'm not doing a plug for them. I'm just saying they are kind of tasty. Don't know whether they're good or bad, but let's kind of talk about that. So, John, why don't you do this? Kind of give us a lay of the land. What is caffeine? Because it's not just coffee. It, you know, you're right. Uh, caffeine is a drug. It's There's no other way around it. It's a drug. Of course, it, our diets are filled with drugs. Um, and I'm not talking about psychedelic drugs, prescription drugs. Drugs are everywhere. But caffeine is a drug. It stimulates your brain and your central nervous system. Um and that's where it, it, it starts. Uh, and it has been around forever or not ever for thousands and thousands of years. Um, it's, uh, and it is largely when we think of caffeine, you're absolutely right. We almost always think of coffee, but it is insidious. Um, it's, it's in chocolate. It is in tea. It is certainly in energy drinks. Um, you know, there's always warnings we see online say, you know, don't chew cola nuts. Well, I don't know anybody who's chewing a, chewing a cola nut. I know it may be done in certain cultures, but it's usually not done in the States. Um, and in case you're wondering, the U.S. does consume more coffee than any other country in the world. However, and this I found fascinating, we are not in the top 25. This isn't a contest. We're not going to start chanting USA, USA. But per capita consumption, America only ranks 25th in the, in the world, which is I found fascinating when I when I first pulled that nugget out. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I also think that like I travel a lot. And so I've been to a lot of other countries and there's there's definitely a difference in coffee in other countries. You know, my daughter dates um, a gentleman who's from Argentina 
And he's like, oh, Angie, you need to taste our coffee. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That is very strong coffee. And so coffee definitely has a little bit of um, a cultural aspect to it too. It's, you know, depending on where, where they make it, right? Where they're getting getting the ingredients, where they're getting it, the beans. <laughs> it's, it's not only where you're getting the beans, it's how you brew it and how you make it. And that'll depend on how much caffeine you get in your cup. Um, so, I mean, a standard American brew uh, cup of eight ounce coffee, though I don't know anybody who actually drinks eight ounces of coffee in a cup anymore, but you know, that's gonna be one level of caffeine. Uh, and we can talk about how much caffeine is in a, in a cup of coffee. A cold brew has twice as much. It can have twice as much. Um, you know, espresso shots are different. Then uh, this is just coffee. It doesn't go into green tea. Things like kombucha, chocolate, and other things like that. Right, right. Yeah, and kombucha is a is a big one too that has been kind of hitting the mainstream lately. So speaking of that, I know that you've done a lot of research in your company. It's done a lot of research on caffeine impacting people differently, depending on what age they are, pre-existing conditions, how much they consume. So maybe let's start with some of that because it's not just a one size fits all. I could have a 10 ounce cup of coffee, but I also feel like I could give that to one of the, one of my seniors and it might impact them differently. Obviously it's going to impact somebody differently who never drinks caffeine um, because that has to do with it too. How, um, how how used to our body how how about our body is used to caffeine so to speak I, right? I think there's two issues and you've hit on it one is are you used to caffeine because i remember this was a million years ago when i first started drinking coffee well if i had three or four cups of coffee definitely affected me differently than it does now um however i think the bigger issue and and this is also and we can get into the i know you want to get into the, the benefits because there's some certainly registered benefits for caffeine or coffee and then some threats but i think the biggest issue people face with caffeine uh, and again we think of it as coffee is pre-existing conditions so if you have uh, hypertension high blood pressure if you're pregnant um, if you have problems with uh, bone density osteoporosis issues like this if you have insomnia or even meant not even if you're suffering from mental health issues, anxiety, depression, or something more uh, serious, not that anxiety and depression aren't serious, um, caffeine is going to affect you in a negative way and more sharply than if you don't have any of these issues. And I think, or in you, and taking certain drugs, caffeine can exacerbate or hinder those prescription drugs as well. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, if I'm, if my anxiety is higher than normal and I have a cup of coffee, I absolutely feel a difference than if I've had a good night's sleep and mm -hmm. I wake up and I have my normal cup of coffee. Even for me on a day-to-day -day basis, I feel like coffee affects me differently. It has to do a lot with my mood state. It has to do absolutely. a lot with my, how much sleep I got, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the pre-existing conditions and then also how much they consume. You gave us some interesting stats about consumption, coffee consumption. Right. And I know you threw a few out there. Do you have any other stats like us compared to other countries or maybe stats about what we consider um, a cup of coffee? Because you kind of brought that up. And it's so right. funny. It's, it's fascinating. I love this stuff. It, it's fascinating. So um and this is the old journalist in me coming out. Um, we um, uh, drink uh, 400 million cups of coffee a day. When I say we, the U.S. consumes 400 million cups of coffee a day. 
that is about 150 billion cups a year. Um, about 65 to 70, and again, these stats will vary a little bit on who's giving them to you, but about 65 to 75% of Americans drink coffee at some time uh, during the day or during the week. And about 50% of us drink about four to five, four to, three to four or five cups a day. Um, and there, those are about eight ounce cups. But again, this varies because I don't know anybody who really gets an eight ounce cup anymore. Um, now, the other issue is how much coffee should we be drinking or how much caffeine should we be drinking? Um, and again, this is gonna vary, but the FDA says, okay, keep it to 400 milligrams a day. Nobody really measures a milligram when they're eating anything or drinking anything. Um, but that's going to amount to about three to four eight ounce cups a day, because you figure there's gonna be about, well, 80 to 100 milligrams of caffeine in a cup, an eight ounce cup. The problem, which we talked about before, um, it depends on the type of coffee you're drinking and how it's made. So if you drink an eight ounce cup of regular coffee, sure, that's a benchmark, that's a hundred milligram. You drink cold brew, that's gonna be twice as much. Two shots of espresso, you're at 120, 140 milligrams. And if you're like me and you do two double shots of espresso in the morning, even if it's an Americano, you're at 250, 300 milligrams of coffee before you waddle out to your barn office, you know? Right. Um, so that all impacts uh, where we go. And if you're wondering who drinks the most coffee in the world, it's the Finns per capita. They drink about 10 cups of coffee a day. A lot of Scandinavian countries are up there as well. And aren't they also some of the most um, uh, promoted as some of the most joyful or happy countries? <laughs> <laughs> if we look at the top 10, yes, the Finns are. Um, Sweden is up there, uh, Switzerland is up there. Now, and, and I don't say this lightly, a lot of the Scandinavian countries, and we can talk about some of the risks of this later, also have some of the highest suicide rates. I am not equating one to the other, but there's right. certainly studies that equate coffee. And again, this is the problem with the research. One study will say one thing, another study will say another, and it's maybe based on pre-existing conditions. So that, you know, that does factor in to that. Right. Well, it's kind of like, it's, it's like alcohol. If you ask somebody, you know, we always have to do intake questions as a clinician and we ask about alcohol consumption and we have to be very specific because I could say, how many glasses of wine do you drink? Or how many, you know, how many alcoholic beverages do you have a day? Well, <laughs> everyone has a different idea of consumption. They could yeah. be going to a brewery where they're doing a flight where it's teeny tiny, or they could do a 12 ounce, um, Right. Jug a beer. <laughs> so, exactly. or you could be hanging out with your old college friends and assume you're 20 again and you're into your fourth bottle of wine at an Italian restaurant in Milwaukee. Right. So, it's, <laughs> that's, so, but you're not doing that every day. Right. Precisely. So, you know, we also drink energy drinks and I think that's a big one. I think that sometimes people don't always put together. They're not just consuming coffee. They're also consuming energy drinks, chocolate, all those other things. So let's go into um, energy drinks, some kind of interesting statistics about that, because we have definitely in our society, I feel like we just keep coming up with more and more ways to get everybody, give everybody that lift that they're looking for throughout the day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So if we're talking about energy drinks and this can vary like a five hour, and again, you have all of these major energy drinks from monster to five hour energy to um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones here. Uh, 
oh god there's a ton of them but let's say five hour energy that's going to give you on roughly about 200 milligrams of coffee that's a standard five hour energy drink if you do extra if you do the i didn't even know they had an extra that's going to push it up to about 250 milligrams um monster could be at 80 or 90 red bull is 80 or 90 is that an energy drink it's something in between um but you're right it's uh it's everywhere and i even we again we've talked about this we think of caffeine, we automatically go to coffee, but it's in energy drinks, it's in chocolate, it's in tea, it's in a lot of uh, elements like that. And if you're mixing energy drinks with liquor or something like that, you have another whole element to bring in. So none of this is really simple and it's so entwined. Um, and again, it depends on pre-existing conditions and where you are in your life too. Right, you know, right. What's happening with your life at the moment. Right. 100%. Because like I said, I think it has a lot to do with mood state. I think that a lot of things have to do with mood state. And that also affects how we metabolize and how we navigate our day because our emotional energy is as important as our physical energy and how, you know, our level of stress. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of go to the positive. What are some of the benefits of, let's just say coffee in general? What are okay. some of the benefits of us drinking it? Because that's really what, again, if you and we have there are benefits that are studied and 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 uh, identified and then they sort of say okay you're going to get this benefit if you drink this much caffeine or you consume this much caffeine and then they automatically say okay that much caffeine is three to four two to four cups a day uh depending on what it is again studies are going to vary i'm sorry i didn't mean to move too close <laughs> studies are going to vary um but there are studies that point out, uh, and I'm not promoting our site, but all of these are linked in, and I always advise people, do your own research, but you can find these out. It can lower the risk of dementia, uh, especially one study pointed out it lowered the risk of dementia in women over 65, and that's about two to three cups a day. Um, is it brain flow? There, again, all of these studies seem to indicate a correlation. They're not always 100% sure why it is happening. Um, because if we think of caffeine and we think of it in coffee, coffee has over a hundred other biologically active ingredients that may give be presenting other benefits than we may first realize than directly from caffeine. But it can certainly, there's signs that say it'll reduce dementia or reduce the risk of dementia uh, in women uh, over 65. Certainly it will do it for men as well, but there's a greater uh, return for these women. Um, drink caffeine and you're more pumped up, you're obviously going to be able to work out more effectively. Um, again, there's a correlation between drinking caffeine or consuming caffeine in coffee or energy drinks, working out longer, and then showing greater upper body muscle development. Um, is that directly related to the caffeine or related to the boost you get from it? Probably. Um, again, uh, now, we had talked about suicide before. Harvard put out a study uh, that said for younger people, people under 50, two to three cups of coffee today reduce their risk of suicide by 45%. Is that because it's linked to a boost in your endorphins that make you feel better for that period of time? Is it that you're more productive, you know, during those, uh, and because you're more productive, you feel better about yourself, you're less likely to go into a downward mood swing. 
it's, it's possible, but they see the correlations. So something occurred to me there, but before I give you that thought, I just want to reintroduce you. So my name is Angie Miller, and this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm talking to John Salek, and he's an award-winning journalist. He is also the host of What the Health podcast. And John's done a lot of research on coffee and caffeine, so I thought it'd be interesting to have him come on and talk about some of the studies and what they're saying about this. But John, when you were saying that caffeine is maybe linked to lower rates of dementia, but also um, a boost in mood states. What that always makes me think of is we can say that exercise helps improve mental well-being. We can't say there's a direct correlation between if you exercise this much, you will lower your rate of depression this much. But mm -hmm. the idea is that exercise improves mood state, which then improves feelings of well-being, which lowers rates of depression. I feel like coffee is kind of that same correlation where if you drink some coffee, you have a little bit of a boost in energy, which is going to make you want to get out and move more. And we know that movement is good for the brain and the body. And also to your point, productivity and energy, because energy ties into our emotional state. If we're low on energy and low on motivation, we just don't feel so good about ourselves. So Absolutely. to me, it makes total sense about that correlation. It may not be a direct link, right? But yeah. it's a correlation. And, and it could well be, or it could be the, let's say if it's the delivery mechanism, if there's active ingredients in coffee that again, stimulate gut health, which is, you know, linked to caffeine, that's going to have the boost. But there, and the problem, not the problem, the challenge is research goes on and on and on. So that there may be a direct, there's certainly a correlation, and I don't doubt Harvard's study was accurate. Um, they may find a direct link at some point as they go on. You mentioned other benefits, again, tied up. Um, in certain cases, caffeine has been shown to have a correlation to a lower risk in liver cancer. They are not sure why, because we can talk about risk in a moment. There's also a greater risk of certain cancers by consuming too much caffeine. Um, and there was another very fascinating point, uh, study, different study, that consuming two to three cups of coffee a day for older individuals, and we're talking 50, um, and 50 is not old, but older individuals increase their chances or increase their longevity uh, outlook by about 12%. Again, I think it's pre-existing conditions because you could take that, I believe, and I, I don't have the study. I didn't do it. So I believe you could take the same group of people who had pre-existing conditions that may be more susceptible to the risks of caffeine and coffee, and that's going to create problems or right. potential problems. Well, I think, too, that when it comes to anything, um, coffee, anything that we consume, I think, it I think it comes back to how well do you know your body and how much are you paying attention um, because again, like I said, coffee impacts me differently depending on where I'm at in my world, so to speak, and what my mood state is and what my sleep is and, and what I'm looking for. And I can always tell if I overdo it because I start to get a little jittery. And the other thing that's interesting is, for instance, my husband, he's dead set on if it's past two o'clock, he won't touch coffee. My sister, on the other hand, I have uh, four sisters. I have a sister who will go out to dinner. It could be eight o'clock and she's drinking three to four cups of coffee and she sleeps like a baby. And so absolutely no impact on her whatsoever. So people just metabolize it differently for different reasons. And even if you don't have pre-existing conditions, I do believe age plays a part because I used to drink uh, coffee with dinner 
when we'd go out all the time, maybe not three or four cups like your sister, but I would certainly have a cup of black coffee after dinner if we were out and we always tend to go out later anyway. So it might be 9.30, 10, 10, 30, whatever time we were finishing dinner and it didn't affect me. I'm a little more guarded now about drinking coffee at 10 or 10.30 than I was 10 or 15 years ago. Is that an age factor? Is it something else? I have no idea. But but there, you know, that's registering, as you say, your own body or, or monitoring your own body. So, right, right. I think so. I think we have to be very self-aware. So, John, let's talk about some of the signs and symptoms that we know we've had too much. Um, because it's not so much of what does the study say that you've had too much, but how do you know personally that you've had too much? I get jittery. I start yep. to get anxious. My thoughts start to go blah, 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 all over. Right. What are some of the research signs and symptoms that you could say to your client, a trainer could say to their client, okay, it's different for everyone, but you know, you've had too much if. I think uh, certainly jittery and, and those are classic uh, from research studies. Um, anxiety, certainly one jittery anxiety. Um, headaches. Um, I, headaches is a, is a key that you had too much um uh, coffee or can be, it could be other reasons. And that's because caffeine affects blood flow. It dilates your blood vessels. It can play havoc. Again, it's uh, too much of it. Um, you can't sleep. Uh, that is an issue. Uh, and if you start to get extreme mood swings, chances are, well, could be a lot of reasons why you have mood swings, but chances are not you, but I mean, people in general, it could be, uh, it, it's, it's likely you may have had too much, too much coffee. Those are the outward signs that you can feel. I mean, if your heart begins, you feel your heart racing or things like that, and you're, you're not watching the Mets lose another game or, or something else, then, then, you know, that, that could be an indication you've had too much coffee as well. Those are things you can feel in yourself. Yeah, 100%. So John Salick, we are, I'm with John Salick. My name's Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. We're talking about caffeine and whether we should caffeinate or not. And what are all the nuances that go along with us um, inviting caffeine into our world? So John, I have to go to my favorite source of caffeine, aside from coffee, which would be chocolate. And um, I will tell you that a lot of us aren't drink, aren't eating the real, you know, cacao. Uh, I was at a health and wellness resort two years ago where they were selling chocolate in its most pure form. And boy, does that take some getting used to. Mm -hmm. I always eat chocolate that's 85% or above, but I'm telling you, you go to like 90, 100% and uh, it's an acquired taste. Yep. So let's talk about caffeine. Is there more caffeine um, in chocolate when it has, when it's more pure or is it the milk chocolate? Which is it? Okay, it's absolutely dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Again, you should do another episode on, on dark chocolate because that, like wine, is one of those things. Is it good for you or not good for you? Dark chocolate has at least twice as much caffeine as milk chocolate. Um, white chocolate, by the way, has no caffeine at all. Um, though I don't like white chocolate. Um, so, yes, it does have more uh, caffeine. And certainly the higher level of uh, cocoa in your in your chocolate uh, is going to increase the caffeine uh, levels. So you're talking about 12, 15 milligrams of uh, caffeine per ounce of dark chocolate. Um, people who love chocolate can eat, go through a number of ounces at any given time. So you could be talking about two or three, you know, cups of, uh, of, of coffee. Um, the other thing too that, used to be really popular you still see it now but um 
uh, cocoa beans, dark chocolate covered cocoa beans or, or espresso beans. They're kind of cool to eat, but if you have more than a, a small handful, you'll really begin to feel it. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I had a friend of mine recently, we were, I was out of town and I said, I need to get some dark chocolate um, to keep in my room. And she's like, do you eat that before you go to bed? And I looked at her like she had six heads and I was like, of course, but you know, because I don't ever think of it as a caffeine source. I think of it as a sweet, uh, something sweet to satisfy me after I eat dinner. So I thought that was kind of and funny. I suspect you're probably not eating two pounds of it at a time. Well, I would like to think not <laughs> a couple squares, maybe. Right. So, John, before we close up, I do want to I do want to kind of give all of our listeners um, so that they can give their clients some some tips or what are tasteful alternatives for people who want to cut back on caffeine? Yeah. What are some good, you know, I love it, but I need to cut back. Yeah. Um, tasteful is going to be in the uh perception of those tasting it. I mean, uh, a famous alternative and an older alternative to coffee um, is uh, chicory. And there's certainly, it is a nut. You can, you know, individuals generally don't roast their own coffee nor chicory nuts, but it is an alternative. It is a roasted nut that will taste somewhat like coffee. Now, if you're a real extreme coffee lover, you're probably not going to uh, love chicory, Does, but it's certainly good. Certainly, you can go to things uh, like herbal teas. Um, you know, you can go to kombucha also as an alternative. Kombucha does have caffeine, but it has a fifth, a third of the caffeine. Uh, you can certainly go to green tea, which has caffeine, but not as much uh, as coffee. Certainly, if you're looking to, and, and there are elements of going to lemon water, to um, things like that. Um, if you're looking to bounce off the, reduce your caffeine or your coffee consumption. I think the way to do it is gradually and try and chart yourself. It's kind of like um, bad eating habits. Uh, you, you want to chart when you're drinking coffee, if you think you're drinking too much and consume too much caffeine, and you want to figure out how to begin to bring it down gradually. Um, funny, I it, about 10 or 12 years ago, I was at um, Canyon Ranch out West, and I'm not Canyon Ranch, beautiful, setting okay this is a famous spa of all the things they cut out of diet certainly you're not getting alcohol there you're not getting cheeseburgers with bacon at canyon ranch they didn't cut out coffee or tea because over the short term the impact on their guests would be too great so they couldn't receive the other benefits meaning headaches withdrawals that sort mm -hmm. of thing you really have to do it gradually and i thought that was fascinating i assume they still do it though again i haven't been back to canyon ranch in a decade yeah, that's interesting. I was at Rancho La Puerta when I was having, you know, the the pure cacao and also um, they they too were serving coffee and, and so forth. And I, I think that's true because the going off of it, I think with anything, just like getting off of medication or like you said, cleaning up your diet, we have to do things gradually because right. the adverse effects, you know, people would be miserable if they're at a health and wellness ranch and they're, they're, they, they're used to drinking six cups of coffee a day and all of a sudden there's nothing available. It would be so. a massive headache. It yeah. is almost like anything else, alcohol, uh, food, moderation is the key in balance. And it, it, that's sometimes hard, but that really is the balance. I don't think people, unless you have a pre-existing condition, high blood pressure, extremely high blood pressure, hypertension, certain pregnancy, um, not a pre-existing condition, but a condition, that moderation in coffee, I, I think is probably fine. Again, according to our research, I don't blog, you know, uh, but 
according to our research, moderation is really the key. If you're drinking a couple cups a day, I think you're fine. And, and you may benefit from it in a lot of ways, too. And right. it tastes good. Well, absolutely. So I want to, you know, John, before I close up, I do just want to kind of share with all of our listeners um, who, you know, all of you coaches, trainers, all of you interested in fitness. The reason why I really wanted to present this episode is because I think there is a lot of confusion about caffeine and it isn't a one size fits all. It really depends on who you are, what your conditions are, what your age is and how it impacts you. And I think it's about listening to your body and helping your clients listen to their body and Mm -hmm. and then individualizing your decisions based on not just what the research says, but the impact on you. Mm -hmm. So John Salek, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you, again, who want to connect with John, he hosts a podcast called What the Health. And uh, he's done a lot of work, a lot of work as a journalist and has a lot of information out there. So John, thank you for joining us. And thank you to all of our Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 